Now broadcasting from his hidden bunker and fully stocked bar, it is the Saturday Report with Hope Sebastian Taylor. Thank you and welcome once again, my friends, to the Saturday Report with me, Coach Sebastian Taylor, adventurer, entrepreneur, and amateur Greek island tour guide. And welcome to AWSM Radio, an independent digital-only radio station that plays today's best music, old school classics, along with a rotating cast of all-star DJs. AWSM Radio focuses on mainstream artists, independent artists, along with a variety of interesting talk and music shows throughout the day. All we do is entertain, inspire, and inform. And my friends, I want you to be part of the conversation. I want you to join the show. So find me on the Twitter, on the Instagram, on the Facebook at Colt S. Taylor. And also, as well, my friends, on Cameo, you can actually hire me to make a personal greeting for you or somebody you don't like at Cameo.com slash Colt S. Taylor. And then finally, I am now on Twitch. And you can see occasionally me record this show before it's broadcast at twitch.tv slash Colt S. Taylor. And of course, all of these links are available at ColtSebastianTaylor.com. All right, my friends, let's get started with this week's Saturday Report. First up this week, my friends, Scandal. Yes, Scandal. Scandal. In the world of fishing. Yes, fishing, there can be scandals in fishing, especially in professional, competitive sports fishing. Sport fishing. Um, Because apparently this week, (laughs) uh, this week a giant scandal exploded in the world of competitive fishing where um, two anglers, Chase Kaminsky and Jake Runyon, uh, were found to have been cheating. Found to be cheating. Uh, you see, many, many of these fish competitions, uh, people go around, they catch fish, and the, those who catch the biggest fish win the prize. In terms of, in terms of weight. Not like length, but like biggest weighted fish. And there's some big money involved in these competitions. Like $30,000 surprises, boats, you know, Mill almost millions of dollars worth of prizes for just going out there and fish, just going out there and fish. Well, apparently, uh, this last week there was the uh Lake Erie Wally Walleye Trail Tournament Series, uh, where uh 30 elite fishers went out into Lake Erie, uh, off uh, Cleveland's Gordon Park and began to fish. That's right, began to fish, and uh, one Fisherman named Fisher, not kidding, uh, went through out there and 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 did did uh, did some weighing of the fish. Um, he weighed uh, uh, fish that were coming in, and um, the top fish that came in weighed sixteen point eight nine pounds. That's a pretty big fish. And then this team came in, Chase Kamonsky and Jake Runyon, and their fish was thirty three point nine one pounds. And usually that, well, hey, that double the size, there'd be cheers. There was no cheers at that tournament. Silence. Absolutely silence. Then there was mumbling. Then there was... See, the fish that these two caught weighed between 15 and 20 pounds. This one weighed 33.91 there is no way that fish could weigh that that much. 
So, this guy took the fish out, pulled out a knife, cut the fish open, and pulled out one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten lead weights and frozen fish fillets stuffed down the gullet. Yes, these people were stuffing lead weights into their fish and having them being weighed to win tournaments. And apparently, this might have been done for quite a while. Uh, they apparently had won like the last eight, five or eight uh, fishing tournaments in a row. Um, and there was a lot of rumors going around apparently that this person was cheating. Now, they take cheating very seriously in competitive fishing. Go figure. However, uh, oh, also, there is a, uh, there's a mandatory polygraph test for all winners. And uh, they are administered by a retired police officer. And uh, they, they, um, they, uh, they, they, they polygraph test, make sure they're all the up of bounds. If they refuse or fail, they're immediately disqualified. Uh, they're not allowed to use cell phones. Uh, they're not allowed to use any sort of equipment to help them figure out where there are a lot of fish around there. Now, there is also, there's also rules, whatnot. Someone can accuse someone else of cheating, but they have to pay for a $500 polygraph test. And if they pass the polygraph test, they lose $500. And then on the rules of this tournament, it says, no polygraph will be given on hearsay or gossip. Well, hearsay and gossip have been poking around for the last few months when they start going on a a winning streak, in a winning streak. Uh, apparently, they had pulled in about $400,000 in winnings and endorsements. Uh, they had been disqualified from the fall brawl, uh, where they lost a $125,000 boat, and were in the middle of a lawsuit, because one of them apparently failed a polygraph test, middle of a lawsuit, and now, well, they're probably going to lose that as well. Uh, some of the uh, commentary from that is, from that that uh, that uh, group that found out were as follow and I do quote Do we need to file a police report? Where's your crown now? You were the champ, dude. We all effing knew it. You effed over a lot of people, man. I've been doing this stuff for years. These guys are no jokes. They didn't steal money from me. They're trying to steal money from those guys. Every one of those guys is a serious tournament fisherman. They spent minimum $100,000 on their boat, moored, trailer, electronics, fees, travel time with the family. If the cops had been there, there would have been scraps of those guys next to the scraps of fish. <laughs> yeah, so they almost got killed by other fishermen. And this went, like, this went national. Um, this, like, bumped off college football highlights. Like, this was the biggest, <laughs> the biggest scandal in competitive fishing. Uh, both Ronnie and Kamansky, uh, have, uh, now turned their Instagram private, despite having 46,000 followers, deleted their Facebook page, and have not, re have not, uh, not, um, responded to any inquiries. Um... Yeah, yeah. So this is, I mean, this is crime. 
they they committed a crime and fraud, and they're probably going to get sued into oblivion and going to jail. Um, the Cuyahoga County Prosecutor, Mike Holmally, said, uh, I take all crimes seriously, including attempted felony theft at a fishing tournament. These individuals will be held accountable. <sighs> but that's not the only scandal in quote-unquote sports or competition that happened last week. I have another one for you. One that you may want to stand, you may want to sit down for. I mean, not this guy, but you may want to sit down for. The other scandal rocking the world right now is cheating in chess. Yes, chess cheaters. Cheater chess. Apparently, a 19-year-old grand champion named Hans Niemann is accused of cheating. Accused of cheating. I was accused by Magnus Carlsen, another grand champion. And on, uh, apparently, uh, chess.com launched an investigation saying that, um, uh, saying that, uh, he is likely cheating up, uh, up to 100 games. And in fact, uh, the other grand champion, Magnus Carlsen, is so much against playing this person that he was in a round with him, made one move, and then immediately resigned in protest of him being included in this tournament. So he is, um, he is, uh, <laughs> he's, he's in a whirlwind, in a whirlwind of different, of different cheating and whatnot. So basically the thought is he is cheating. Now cheating in chess goes back way back. This cheating, however, is being um, suggested that he's getting signals about where to move and how to move from other people as he is playing. Now, this has happened before where people have had, like, little earbuds in their ear or they've had, like, a little something in their hand that will uh, buzz left, right, up, and down, getting, like, little signals or whatnot. Um, so people are often searched, you know, their bodies and whatnot to make sure they're not having any sort of hidden listening devices or recordings or earbuds and whatnot. Apparently, this particular uh, chess player, allegedly, allegedly, well, not going to say allegedly, has a... Um, a sex toy uh, inserted up his bum, and he's getting signals that way. But himself, Colt, that that's that's what's going on there. I I've never hear. I've that's how would that how would that work? Well, friends, you may not be aware, and be that I'm a cultured person and am well versed on many different things. Um, there are sex toys out there that obviously vibrate for pleasure. You know what not. Now, many of these things have manual switches. Other ones do not. Other ones are controlled via Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. So you could, you know, a hands-free option for for your own uh, entertainment for you or, in many cases, perhaps a partner. So while folks would be doing this for their own sort of in bedroom pleasure, which hey, no kink shaming. That floats your boat. Have at it. Have at. It. Explore your explore what makes you happy within the you know, legal confines of the law, or not. But uh, in this case, allegedly, he has this up there, and there are various bells and whistles on these devices. That if one bell sounds one way, he makes one move, and if uh, buzzes buzzes another way. 
he makes another move. So much is this a suspicion in his last tournament, they had to wave him down with an electronic bug sniffer, obviously over his ears and whatnot, but also focusing around his hips to make sure he doesn't have something up there giving him signals. Now, again, friends, this is not uncommon. People go to casinos and have card counting devices on them to give them advice on what to do. Someone might be watching from across the room and give people like little uh, little taps and whatnot to know when to hit and when to quit and whatnot. You know, cheating in games, not unusual. This one unusual because it involves a sex toy and also in chess. And there's big, big money. A tournament can have a pool of $100,000 for the winner and various other money for other people. Various other people, other people. So he is under this, this, this Neiman guy, this Hans Neiman guy, is under deep investigation because a lot of grandmasters have been watching his progression as a chess player. Like, mm, something's not right there. And those who have played him have said, like, this guy doesn't seem worried at all. Like, he knows what's going to happen or he has someone helping him. So uh, there, there's an investigation. And we shall see if Hans here is getting a little, a little help. He is literally cheating out of his ass. <laughs> Next up, folks, yet another cheating scandal swirling in the world of competitive Irish dancing. <laughs> yes, competitive Irish dancing, also big-time sport. Well, apparently there is a scandal in Irish dancing right now, um, according to the uh, Irish Independent, that various judges are being uh, bribed with money and sex to rig Dancing contests, and uh, his this investigation has been handed over to the Irish dancing's top governing body, the hmm, boy, uh, the Commission. Le, it's Gaelic. I don't know, um, but uh, it looks like some judges are been exchanging money in sexual favors for higher scores. Uh, there are other judges that are interfering in other people's judging and changing scores. This is rocking the Irish dancing world. Especially in Ireland, apparently. So, uh, this has been turned over to the governing body. There's apparently an official investigation. And uh, according to a statement from the, um, um, from the governing body, uh, the process will be difficult, no doubt difficult and arduous, but this grossly unethical behavior must be eliminated from our competitions, dance schools, and governing organizations. This commission regards such breaches to be gross misconduct. Any registered member found to be engaged in such practices will be subject to due and full process under our published disciplinary procedures. So, uh, boy, between fishing, chess, chess, Irish dancing, apparently there's allegations against um, also the Miss USA contest. Miss USA contest, according to Miss Texas, uh, Dabani Gabriel... Um, that uh, the 2022 Miss USA pageant was rigged, was rigged, uh, and that no one had a fair chance. Apparently, the winner was was picked out ahead of time, picked out ahead of time, and whatnot. So even boy, 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 Miss USA chess, competitive Irish dancing, 
uh, uh, fishing. What what world have we? What what? How has this world spiraled into such treachery? Oh boy! So, if there are anything interesting updates from any of these scandals, I, Colt Sebastian Taylor, will let you know. My friends, in a world of rigged things like Irish dancing, uh, and and chess and fishing, there's one thing that's not rigged, and that's my pal DC. The only thing he rigs up is some great dance beats. All weekend with his shows here on AWSM Radio. First, Friday nights at 9 p.m. It is uh, DC Live in effect. You do not want to miss out while he smashes the beats on the ones and twos from South Florida every week. Then Saturday nights, DC brings his freestyling DJ to the max with House Party Saturdays, giving you the Miami vibe without actually having to be there. From the top clubs to the bars, DC will bring the party to you. That's Saturdays at 10 p.m. And then on Sundays at 10 p.m., it's DC Live in Effect, where he, he's, he's at again. So, just to review, DC Live in Effect, Fridays at 9, DC House, house Party Saturdays, Saturdays at 10, and then DC Live in Effect once again, Sundays at 10 p.m., only on AWSM Radio. Next, we go to the world of robotics. And just in case there is a, let's say, Terminator 2 situation where an intelligent AI is, is listening to this broadcast, trying to determine which humans to keep and which ones to, let's say, delete, I assure you I, for one, welcome our new robotic overlords. With that said, uh, several several major robotic uh, companies this week signed a non-binding pledge uh, not to build w- war robots. So among them, Boston Dynamics, which uh, you've probably seen their videos. They have that little dog-walking robot that can open doors, the back-flipping robot named Atlas, uh, but also other robot makers, including Agility Robotics, Clear Path Robotics, Anybotics, Open Robotics, and uh, Unitry Robotics, all joined Boston Dynamics in this agreement. Uh, The letter wrote, We believe that adding weapons to robots that that are remotely or autonomously operated, widely available to the public, and capable of navigating to previous inaccessible locations where people live and work, raises new risks of harm and serious ethical issues. Weaponizing applications of these newly capable robots will also harm public trust in the technology in ways that damage the tremendous benefits they will bring to society. Uh, and then it finally said uh, that they decided to make this uh, letter public in increasing public concern in recent months caused by a small number of people who have visibly publicized their makeshift weapons, makeshift efforts to weaponize commercially available robots. Uh, This is due to two sort of big things. Uh, Apparently in the uh, South Korea uh, Defense Expo Korea 2022, um, Ghost Robotics Vision 60 took a um, uh, Boston uh, Dynamics-esque looking dog robot and put a gun on top of it with a camera that could go around and shoot people at a pretty accurate rate as well. Um, at that, uh, at that um, defense expo, 
there were 43 companies, 43 countries uh, represented there in terms of uh, defense ministers and military officers, including uh, Saudi Arabia, the UAE, Romania, and Slovakia. So they're a little concerned about that. And then um, they're also concerned. Uh, this was happened. This happened uh, six years ago, uh, but during a uh, police shooting in Dallas, uh, a someone was targeting policemen. Uh, shot up Dallas. You may may remember this and whatnot. But uh, he was held up inside of a parking garage, uh, behind uh, concrete walls. So. <laughs> So the Dallas Police Department uh, put a bomb on the end of a bomb disposal robot, rolled that guy up to the side of the wall, and then blew up the shooting suspect. Kaboom! This is after several hours of shooting and trying to talk with a with a police negotiator. But uh, yeah, so these these companies these companies are trying to. Avoid this. Avoid the robots being used uh, for war. One, uh, it would really hurt, obviously, their bottom line if people started associating these robots with war and would stunt their technology. And then we have way uh, development and stunt stunt their development, and there'd be way more regulations. Now, there is actually a precedent for this of why they'd be concerned that uh, this would be a negative outlook towards their uh, towards their business. So back in the, oh, I would say uh, late 80s, early 90s, but mostly the late 80s, um, Toyota pickup trucks um, were used in war. They're being shipped overseas, and uh, these heavy caliber machine guns were mounted into the back of these truck beds and people would drive them around. They were called technicals. Uh, I don't know why they're actually called technicals. I think they're technically illegal to do. <laughs> um, um, so, so, so this happened a lot in, lot in uh, Africa. Uh, specifically, uh, there was one conflict called, called literally the Toyota War or the Great Toyota War. Uh, it was a conflict between Chad in Libya. It took place in 1987, and it takes its name because uh, the Toyota Land Cruiser and to Toyota Hulux uh, were used by uh, Chadian troops to fight uh, Libyans. These trucks could be easily shipped in, easily modified, and they were very mobile across the across the area. And apparently. Apparently, according to American intelligence assessments, uh, the Libyans lost 10% of their army and lost $1.5 billion worth of military equipment, and the Chad Chadian forces only lost 1,000. Only lost 1,000 uh, men during this last phase of this war. Uh, now, it's it's there are other names for this type of thing. It's called uh, also called a non-standard tactical vehicle. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah. So, Toyota got a lot of negative, a lot of negative uh, 
uh, publicity because they had their name all across the side, Toyota, the front, the back of the side, and these folks were driving around with machine guns on them, shooting, shooting at each other, so, you know, they, uh, they, they got somewhat of a negative, negative thing, so, um, that's why the ro robot companies want to, eh, you know, not, uh, not try to try get ahead of this, so to speak. Uh, as a side note, uh, this happened, I think, about four or five years ago, maybe less, but during the conflict in Syria and Iraq with ISIS, um, there was a truck driving around with a machine gun locked onto it and all these terrorists on it, and it was like, Mike's Discount Plumbing. It had, like, a phone number on it. And p this this plumbing guy was getting inundated with thousands of phone calls a day of people wanting to know why he was supporting terrorism and whatnot, like, from, like, around the world. Like, the BBC called him because there were these photos and his American phone number it's right on the side there. Turns out this guy had sold his truck to get a new truck and, like, that got sold, got resold kind of disappeared and somehow ended up in Syria. Like, they they weren't exactly sure how it ended up there. Long story short, he had to change his phone number. So anyways, going back, the robot companies do not want the robots used for weapons of war. So that means probably in 10 years, we're going to have robot things blowing stuff up now. Because there's, there's, there's no way. There's no way they're going to be able to stop it. So uh, right now, there are spies inside of these companies stealing information, and these military companies are trying to build their own war robots as cheap as possible. It just, I mean, it's just gonna happen. Next, we go to Washington, D.C., where President Joe Biden announced this week that he is pardoning people with federal convictions for the simple possession of marijuana, a historic move that could help more than 6,000 people currently in jail for simple possession, and uh, is sending a message that moving towards the decriminalization of marijuana. Um, he is pardoning all of those people. Folks who have been convicted and served their time will be pardoned, which will make it easier for them to get a job. They can say, I am no longer a convicted of drug possession. I've been pardoned. And he is also uh, calling for states to do the same as well. Uh, he's also telling the Justice Department to re-examine to see how marijuana is classified. Right now, it is classified in the same, uh, I believe, the same category as heroin and LSD. And uh, I don't know if you have partaken the uh, wacky tobacco, but it is not LSD or heroin. Um, which is good. Which is good. I, the, the whole thought behind marijuana being illegal is if you put some research into it, mm, it it's, not, it's a little mm, not so much. It's a little... People kind of got ahead of themselves when this happened. Should it be regulated? Absolutely. Regulated like alcohol? Absolutely. Should it be, you know, treated like smoking and alcohol? Yes. Yes, it should. Should people go to jail for having a little bit of marijuana on them? No. Now, many places this has already happened... Some uh, states have legalized it completely, but on a federal level, it's still illegal. So while states like Colorado, you can recreationally enjoy the marijuana, technically you are breaking federal law, 
And at any time, at the whim of the federal government, they can come in and get you on federal drug laws. Now, that has not happened, but it's a mishmash of different legalities. So the federal federal level, uh, Joe Biden is planning, trying to push for the decriminalization of simple possession of marijuana. Now, does not mean you can go to schools and sell it? That's still quite illegal, just like selling booze to children, quite illegal. Um, but hopefully getting this more in line with, um, with other vices that we as a society uh, do. Now, fun fact... Portugal legalized all drugs a while back, and it is not a rootin' tootin' wild west of drugs over there. They certainly had a slight increase in overdoses and drug-related crimes, but instead of putting money into law enforcement, they put money into counseling and treatments and stuff like that, and gosh, wouldn't you know it, no one's in jail for drugs, the drug rate's pretty much the same, and the problems are pretty much the same, except people aren't in jail for drugs. So, would that work in the United States? It's two different cultures. I don't want to say that right away. I think it's worth looking at, that's for sure. Does that mean if all drugs are being legal, I'm going to go out there and chase the green dragon? No. No, no. I'm, I'm, I, I like my whiskey, I like my soda, those are the only vices that I need. Only vices that I need. But um, for those who have been walking around with a marijuana conviction, perhaps by the end of the year, you will have that wiped off your record with an official pardon for big old Joey Biden. So, it's a step in the right direction. My friends, what is always legal, regardless of what the government tells you, is the right to listen to a good drive-time show when you're driving home from work, and my friends, I have the legally accessible rock sessions ready here for you on AWSM Radio, featuring my unbelievably, fantastically attractive and talented rocks, where she will play for you the hottest music on the charts and some other surprises in between. She will make a rock, rock style, Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m., Right here, my friends, on AWFM Radio. Moving on to music news. This week, country music legend uh, Jody Miller passed away at the age of 88 following complications from Parkinson's disease. Uh, she was a Grammy award-winning country music artist and crossover icon. Uh, passed away this week in Blanchard, Oklahoma, after dealing with the symptoms of Parkinson's disease for the past few years. Uh, daughter and singer-songwriter Robin Brooks released a statement saying, quote, uh, Middle sister is sorry to announce the passing of Jody Miller this morning. Music icon and mother of Robin Brooks, please remember the family as they deal with this great loss. Uh, she won a Grammy in 1965 with the hit Queen of the House. Uh, first signed to Capitol Records as a folk artist in 1962. And, uh, well, she succeeded as being a crossover artist through her long career. Uh, she released additional singles, uh, team pop hits of Home of the Brave and the song Long Black uh, Limousine. In the 1970s, she signed with the Epic Records outfit and worked with Billy Sherrill on singles such as Baby I'm Yours, 
there's a party going on. Darling, you can always come back home. And he's so fine. Uh, she retired from country music in the, in the 1980s, uh, but uh, came back again as a Christian music artist and was also introduced in the Country Gospel, country gospel Music Association Hall of Fame in 1999. Uh, and then she released uh, one last album in 2020. Um, or she went into a music studio one last time for an upcoming project titled Wayfaring Stranger... Uh, on the record, uh, the record uh, company Heart of Texas Records. So, uh, country music legend uh, Jody Miller passed away this week at the age of eighty from complications from Parkinson's disease. In other news, uh, tablecloths—you know how much are they? You go to the dollar store, you go to Walmart, another store that's not a sponsor of this show. How much would you pay for a tablecloth? Would you pay between fifteen and $25,000? No. Well, you might, because there is a tablecloth going on public auction, uh, I think starting yesterday. Uh, it was the tablecloth uh, where the Beatles had their last meal as a band way back, way back in 1966, at San Francisco's Candlestick Park. Uh, now, mementos from this uh, last performance together, from ticket stubs, amplifier cords, uh, even uh, cigarette butts, bleh, uh, all are very, very much keepsakes and mementos of this, and they are worth something. Now, uh, Joe Variety, who was owned a cater company in San Francisco, uh, has something a little bit more interesting. He has the tablecloth, a white tablecloth, that the Beatles last ate at, and it is a mess. Uh, they had their last uh, meal together, which they usually had, roast beef, Yorkshire pudding, a stuffed baked potato, salad, French pastry, and they devoured it. And this, this tablecloth is splattered with gravy, but also has some artwork, some some doodles on there, and were signed by members of the Beatles. So this tablecloth is worth quite a bit. Uh, they think between fifteen and twenty five thousand dollars. Now, this tablecloth hung in the window of the caterer's uh, business after the concert. It stayed there. For six days, until someone broke the window and stole the tablecloth. But last year, someone returned the tablecloth to the catering company. And um, they decided to auction it up and get some money from it. I mean, they're, they're not going to keep it. So the tablecloth features a sketch by John Lennon of a hairy creature on a bike next to a series of wheels. Uh, Ringo Starr and George Harrison signed their names. Uh, Paul McCartney spelled out his names in bubble letters near the words, did not lay a hand on this table. Uh, it also features uh, sketch portraits by folk singer Joan Baez, who joined the band for dinner, according to the auction house. So uh, I, I think I, I didn't check. I don't know if it's online auction is right now, but, you know, if you Google it, you'll find it. But if you got $25,000 laying around, you might get yourself this tablecloth the last tablecloth the Beatles ate together as a band, which they signed, 
and some little artwork by folk singer Joan Baez. So, very interesting piece of Beatles memorabilia, one of a kind. Might be able to get your hands on it. Friends, if you can't get your hands on the Beatles tablecloth, you can at least get your hands on the latest sports news, especially basketball, on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. It's To The Rack with Mac. It is your go-to spot for all things basketball. Join NBA expert Mac Daddy as he brings you a full hour of high-flying hoops expertise. For all things NBA, tune into To The Rack with Mac, Wednesdays at 9 p.m. And then, after that, after that, my friends, it's What's Going On. What's Going On is our Fox Sports affiliate show, providing listeners with over 150 years of combined sports knowledge, hosted by Nate Brown and his crew. They have been the staple of New York sports for the last two decades, and now they are moving national, and we've got their show here as well, my friends, Wednesdays at 10 p.m. So Wednesday, 9 p.m., To the Rack with Mac, 10 p.m., What's Going On, only here, my friends, on AWSM Radio. And finally this week, uh, Nicole Mann became the first Native American woman to go to space. The 45-year-old member, uh, member of the uh, Whale, Whalaki of the Round Valley Indian Tribes uh, is serving as mission commander on the SpaceX Crew 5 mission. Uh, the flight marks the sixth time Elon Musk's space company has ferried astronauts to the International Space Station on behalf of NASA. Uh, she, her historic achievement comes 20 years after the first Native American man, John Harrington, walked in space in 2002. She's also the first woman to serve in the commander role during a SpaceX mission. Um, only two other women, Eileen uh, Collins and Pamela uh, Melroy, held that position on a NASA space shuttle flights before the agency retired the program in 2011. Uh, she is quoted to say, I feel very proud. It's important that we celebrate our diversity and really communicate that specifically to a younger generation. Uh, she was born in uh, Petaluma, California, uh, studied mechanical engineering at the United States Naval Academy, uh, went on to earn a master's degree from Stanford, uh, she began her military career in the United States uh, Marine Corps as a second lieutenant in 1999 and completed flight training in 2001. In 2003, she became a naval aviator uh, and flowed, flew 47 combat missions in Iraq and Afghanistan. Uh, also was a test pilot for the F-A-18 Hornet and Super Hornet in 2009. Uh, so congratulations, Nicole Mann. For becoming the first Native American woman in space. Uh, a great, great milestone. And congratulations. We hope you get back home safely to us. And that, my friends, just about wraps up this week's Saturday Report with me, Colt Sebastian Taylor. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Remember, you can find me on the Twitter, on the Instagram, at Colt S. Taylor. Facebook, at Colt Sebastian Taylor. Someone else already has the Colt S. Taylor, the hooligans. Uh, and also on twitch.tv slash Taylor, where I live stream occasionally me playing games and also occasionally me recording this show. So be sure to follow me there. And of course, if you want, you can always hire me for a personal greeting on cameo.com slash Taylor. And the podcast version of the show is available every Sunday uh, at anger.fm slash Taylor as well. Usually Sunday or Monday. 
So, until next time, my fantastic friends, I am, of course, the one, the only, your friend, Colt Sebastian Taylor, and I'll see you later.